We do indeed worship Him who will hold us fast. That is our hope in the next year, and it is Him that we want to think on and look at and meditate upon this morning. I'd invite you to open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, a letter to Hebrew Christians, Jewish Christians. We do not know exactly who wrote this letter. It is anonymous. We'll be looking at a single verse, verse 8 of chapter 13 of the book of Hebrews. As we begin, would you join me in a word of prayer? Father in heaven, how great our need of you is. We pray that you, O Lord, will guide and direct our minds this morning. That we will find your word sweeter than a honeycomb. Sweeter than the best desserts, the best thing we may taste here. We pray that as we taste it, we may see that you are good. And that we will find our hearts not only encouraged this morning, but challenged. That we will, by your grace, submit to you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Here we are at the start of a new year, a a fresh start, so to speak. This past year, I know for all of us, it includes both sorrow and blessing, unexpected sorrows, unexpected blessings. There are things that we face, challenges, opportunities that we ne'er expect, and yet we, we feel them. And the moments of grace come to us just as the moments of sorrow do. But we are sure of this, that no matter what we faced this past year, no no matter what we face for this next year, that the same good hand of our sovereign Savior has providentially upheld us and will uphold us. That he will hold us fast through through the rest of this year. And we know he will because it is our Savior's hand which is scarred on our behalf. He who has given us his own son, will he not now freely give us all things? That that is not not the freely give us all things of the all things in your Amazon wish list or the all things that your heart may desire. It's the all good things that God has in store for us. God has in store for those who trust in his son. That everything you face comes to you through the good hand of God, and it is guided by his good heart for you. It is directed toward your good aim, both good and what we may feel as evil. All of it is for the good purposes of God in our lives, for our eternal joy, for your eternal happiness. And for us to to wrestle with this, to think through this, to rest afresh in all that God has for us. What we need to look at this morning is, is not ourselves, is not what we may do. You, like many of us, you, you may make resolutions or think, this year I want to do this, I want to experience this, I want to see this changed in my life, or I want to see this changed in so-and-so's life. But what's going to hold us fast this year is looking at Jesus. It's going to be him. 
We need to see Christ. You need to see Jesus this morning. Some years ago, I was kindly critiqued by an older man, an older Christian, who told me that when I preached, I talked too much of Jesus. And certainly there are things that we need to move on from, but Christ is one of those topics. Jesus is that person, not just a topic. He is the person that lies at the very center of our faith. More than that, he lies at the very center of our existence, and he will for all eternity. Now, there are some things that you and I, we, we never tire of. Perhaps for you, it's, it's a painting. There is a, perhaps a painting that you have seen again and again and again, but the more you look at it, the more you enjoy it, the more it speaks to you, the more it encourages you, or the, it affects you. That, that painting means something. Perhaps it's not painting. Perhaps it's a, a, a statue, a piece of art, a piece of music that you can listen to again and again and again. You hit it on repeat, and it just, oh, it never gets old. Maybe it gets old to the people around you, but it never gets old to you. You just love it. Maybe it's a a book that you've read year after year, and you know it so well, but you still read it. You're still, like, tensed about it. You're still excited when you come to the good parts. Perhaps it's a TV show that you have watched again and again and again. The reruns, you know, reruns are put on there for a reason. And you never tire of of the same characters, the same lines. There are some things that just hit us all each differently and we just never tire of it. So it is with Jesus. He is an endless fountain of joy. He is a sea of all delights, an unfathomably deep sea of all delights for those who hope in him. It is his soul which is filled with love for us. It is his glory which you and I, we can never exhaust, we can never wear out. His goodness is always fresh. His his glory is always new. It's like walking along a, a, a trail in the mountain and coming across a stream and dipping your hands, kneeling down and dipping your hands into that cold mountain stream and bringing it up to taste and to drink, to satisfy your thirst and to dipping the, the, your hands down again and bringing it up until you've quenched that thirst No matter how many times you dip your hands in, same stream, but the water is always new. It's always fresh. It's always running. Jesus is like that. And Hebrews 13.8 carries for us a powerful reminder of why we trust in Christ. A couple years ago, I was at a pastor's conference, and there one of the pastors, one of the leaders, preached on this very verse. And then this Uh, A few months ago, I was reading through a sermon from Charles Spurgeon. I typically will read through him, uh, not every year, but I will read something of his fairly regularly. He is a great writer, great Christian, and he preached on this text on January 3rd, 1869. And as I was reading then, I thought this, as I was reading then that, his sermon on this text, I thought, 
What a great text for a New Year's meditation. And so while I'm not using his outline or his material, it is uh, definitely using some of his thoughts, I'm sure, as they've come through. This is a text we need because it reminds us of our king. And it's, it's breaking down really e- easily. We can see the, the name and title of who our savior is, of who our king is. We find out what he is. We find out that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we come to meditate on Christ, look with me at verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 13. This short verse Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. You see there the name and the title of our king. This name, Jesus, it was the name given to him by his stepfather, Joseph, as Joseph was directed, commanded to give this name to Jesus, this, his son, this name means Savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so the Virgin Mary sings at the news of her pregnancy, saying, my soul has rejoiced in God my Savior. And so Jesus grew. And as a boy, he amazed the religious leaders, and as a man, he confounded them. And as a Savior, he he displays a particular sovereignty and power in all of his mighty works. And sickness and disease and death, they all gave, they all gave way before him. Even by just the, his presence, water turns hard as stone, and so he walks across what cannot be walked across by mortal man. But it was not just his power, but it was compassion, his mercy, his love that amazes us. He was moved with compassion for the weak, for the outcast, for the guilty. He who is infinitely holy and righteous, yet he had mercy on those who ought to have been condemned. The woman caught in adultery, dragged into his presence. Zacchaeus, the guilty, filthy, lying, cheating tax collector, These find forgiveness at the feet and in the presence of Jesus. And by his sovereign power and love, Jesus goes to his death. And on that death on the cross, he effectively saves his people from their sins. He saves, he dies in the place of sinners. Bearing not only the wounds of the murderers who inflicted those wounds upon him, but bearing the awful wrath of God in our place. And driven by that mercy and compassion and love, he even speaks and prays on behalf of those who jeer him, sneer at him, scorn him, mock him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is Jesus. This is the one we hope in. It is this Jesus, this Savior, who rescues and redeems we who are guilty. So in 1769, a man by the name of Thomas Gibbons writes these words, a a hymn that is 
been lost in much to history. But he writes, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, whom seraphim obey, the bosom of the Father leaves and enters human clay. Into our sinful world he comes, the messenger of grace, and on the bloody tree expires a victim in our place. Transgressors of the deepest stain in him salvation find. His blood removes the foulest guilt. His spirit heals the mind. That Jesus saves from sin and hell is truth divinely sure. And on this rock our faith may rest immovably secure. This is Jesus. This is whom we hope in, whom we rest in. This is our Savior. But this Jesus is also the Christ. You may, if you're new to the Bible, new to Christianity, you may have thought Christ was simply the last name of Jesus. As if you got his father is Joseph Christ, and when he adopts Jesus as his son, that Jesus becomes, becomes Jesus Christ, and so this is simply his last name. But that's not what it is at all. It is a title. It means anointed one, that he is the Messiah the anointed one, that is, he has divine authority and right and privileges. But he has certain roles to fulfill. In the Old Testament, the, the idea of a Messiah, the title of a Messiah, someone who was anointed, anointed into three different roles. That of prophet and priest and king. As, as prophet, the, the responsibility was to, to bring and to deliver God's word. The prophet would hear from God what God's word was to his people, and then he would deliver that message. But the author of Hebrews goes to great lengths to show us that Jesus is a greater prophet. Jesus not only is a greater prophet in the sense that he brings a greater message, Jesus is a greater prophet in that he he is the message. He not only brings the word of God, he is the word of God, is he not? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He is that message. Would you like to know who God is? Look to Jesus. He is the one who reveals who God is, for he is himself Truly God. More than this, he is the great priest. God had established priests in the Old Testament. And the responsibility of priests was to to intercede for God's people so that they had access to God. So through sacrifices, through rituals, the priests there guarded and guided people through into their access to a holy God. How can you and I have access to a holy God? That is the issue at stake, and priests solved that. At least priests existed to point us to the one who would solve that, who has solved that. And so priests regularly made sacrifices on behalf of people. And through death, through the shedding of blood, people had forgiveness of sins. That is, they had access to God. But Jesus is a greater priest. And that he offers a greater sacrifice himself that does not need to be repeated over and over and over again. It is once and done for all of his people. He is the great sacrifice, the great priest. Moreover, he is the great king. Kings were anointed in 
amongst the people of God in Israel. They were anointed to carry the authority, the dominion of God for God's people so that God's people would flourish. They, in a special way, represented the authority of God's word. But as every king failed, they point us to a king who is yet to come, who a king for us has come, and that king is Jesus, an eternal king, one who right now is reigning. He rules and reigns over all things, and one day his kingdom, his rule and reign will be established. It will be seen. And we will, those who belong to him, those who trust in him, will dwell with him for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth where the rule and reign of our prophet, priest, and king is perfect. This is that Jesus. And we find this is who Jesus is, and we find what he is, that he is the same. That he is the same. By this, we do not mean that he is stagnant or static. You know, it's, it's not like watching a paint dry kind of thing. Nor is it the stagnant or static of turning on your computer, working, and then your computer screen freezing. That's not what we mean, not what the, what the author of Hebrews means when he says Jesus is the same. What he means is that Jesus is dynamically immutable. That is, he, he does not change. He is unchangeable, unalterable, but in a dynamic, living, vibrant way. Listen to this, Psalm 102, the psalmist writes, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a clock. You will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Perhaps you received a garment for Christmas. And you were given a, a sweater or some article of clothing. Whatever it is, it will need to be changed. It will, need, it will go out of style. Perhaps it already is out of style. And you will want to update it. It will wear out. But the Lord never does. He does not grow old with years. There is no alteration in the being, in the character, in the purpose, in the promises or the mind and will of God. In his character, Jesus is eternally perfect. And because he is eternally perfect, he cannot get any better than he is. He can't become more holy, grow any more compassionate. He can't become any more wise, progress any more in knowledge. He can't go forward in becoming more just. He can't become any more sovereign or expand in any sense his love. He is incorruptible, incapable of having or developing flaws over time. Because Christ is perfect in these, his will, his purposes, his decrees, his word remain unchanged. From age to age, from generation, from day to day, from year to year. Jesus no more bends with time than the mighty oak bends 
for the wind-blown leaf. Jesus is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday. And you, you notice here, it's Jesus is the same yesterday. That's bad English, isn't it? No one, we, we don't talk like that. Jesus, we would say, so-and-so was this yesterday. But by using that present tense verb, it signals to us something. That Jesus, while he enters into time and has forever, because he has taken on a body, a human body, he is always now present with us in time. Yet Jesus exists in eternity, outside of time. He is. He is the great I am. He is exactly what he told the, 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 those, church, those leaders that we looked at in John chapter 8. When he says, I am the great I am. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. How can you say that? You're not even 50 years old. How can you talk about seeing Abraham? He existed long, long ago. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is. And he is the same yesterday. Whatever yesterday you may think of. He is the same before there was a yesterday. We read in John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer. There in John 17, verse 5, he says, Lord, Father, give me the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. And in verse 24, he, he goes and says again, restore now to me. Let me come back to you with the glory that I had before the foundation of the world. And we may speak of the love that we had before the foundation of the world. This is the one, Jesus is the one who existed in eternity past before there was a a past. Equal with the Father in glory, he is eternal. And as the eternal one, he has not shifted with the changing years of his creation. His glory, his purposes, his will, his decrees, his will for you has not diminished. His word, his commands, what is good and right and just and unjust, these things have not shifted. They do not shift from culture to culture. They do not shift from place to place, from time to time. It does not matter what changes in morality there are in the world. God's word is absolutely clear and sure. He is the eternal one. He is the same before creation. He is the same as he was during the Old Testament. It was he who visited Abraham. It was he who was the giver of manna, the bread of life. He, Paul says, was the rock that the people of Israel drank from. It was he whom whom Isaiah saw high and lifted up in Isaiah chapter 6. It was he who spoke to the prophets. It was he who establishes his covenant. All that was meant to point people to Christ, all that was meant to point people to Christ so that when he came, he would be unmistakable. Jesus is the same yesterday, whatever yesterday you may think of. Whatever happened this past year, Jesus didn't become better or worse that day. You and I change, our minds change, our plans change, our purposes change. But Jesus doesn't. 
not only in biblical history, but down through time. You may have a particular Christian hero, one you have read about, looked up to. Their Jesus is the same Jesus of today. Whether we are thinking of Ignatius or Irenaeus, those men and women who lived in the first couple of centuries, who endured terrible, terrible persecution on the part of Christ. Whether we think of John Huss or Martin Luther or Corey Ten Boom or John Patton, who was a missionary to the cannibals in the New Hebrides Islands, their Jesus is our Jesus. He is the same. He is the same today as he was ever. Jesus is the same yesterday. He is the same today. The same Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead. The same Jesus who healed the sick. The same Jesus who dined with outcasts, welcomed the guilty, honored the weak. The same Jesus who was crucified and rose from the grave is the same Jesus you and I worship. He has not changed. We see this afresh in the story of I, the story of Jeremiah. We've already mentioned that book Lamentations, referenced that, those couple of verses in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22, 23, a couple of times this morning. Jeremiah was a prophet called by God to deliver God's word in a time of great upheaval. And Jeremiah was hated, he was despised, he was imprisoned for delivering God's word. And yet, despite giving God's word faithfully and rightly again and again and again, the people of Israel respond with hard hearts and hard minds. And as a result of it, as a result of their rejecting God and going their own way, they continually find themselves facing increased hardship until Jerusalem itself is attacked, Jerusalem itself is ransacked and defeated. And Lamentations is Jeremiah's lament on all that he sees happening around him. Let me read just part of chapter 3 of where these words come from. You will get to see Jeremiah's heart here. It is, it is full of anguish. Listen to these words. He writes, I am a man who has seen affliction by the rod of God's wrath. He has, not, he has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin. He has, he has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I, I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. And even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He has been to me a bear lying in wait like a lion in ambush. He has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me up as a target for the arrow. He has caused the the arrows of his quiver to pierce me. 
I have become the ridicule of all my people, their taunting song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. Far from You have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity and I have said my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to mind. Therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Friend, this is, this is Jeremiah who again and again felt affliction. And yet his constant hope was the mercy of God. Was God himself the God of mercy? This is that same Jesus. The same Jesus that you and I to hope in. The same Jesus that we are to trust. So that whatever today is, whatever our circumstances may be this year, whether it is the dark clouds of suffering or it is the sunshine of joy and happiness, Look to Christ. Remember that the same God stands behind it all. Do not measure the character of Jesus by by the degree or the difficulty of our circumstances. Rather, judge your circumstances by the character of Christ. Remember that Jesus is good to you this day, to his people. That he is, even now, no matter which now you are talking about, He is now being merciful to you. That Jesus is now reigning. He is the Lord over all creation. He is reigning over his church. He will build it. He is reigning over you. And when we remember these things, we will be able to say with the psalmist, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. No matter what that day is. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same tomorrow. What will this year hold? We do not know. It may be that not all of us will make it to 2024 that are sitting here presently. We are not guaranteed another day, much less another hour. Whatever this year holds for all of us, of this we can be sure. That Jesus is the same forever. For tomorrow, and tomorrow's tomorrow, and the tomorrow after that, Jesus is the same. He has not shifted with time. He has not shifted and will not shift for our circumstances. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, no matter how many tomorrows we stack on one another. And because of this, we we can be, we must remember three things. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, 
We ought to esteem him. We ought to honor him. We ought to worship him. Because only God can be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Only God can be perfect like that. None of us are perfect in any way. Everything and everyone changes. Athletes change. Movie stars age. Politics and politicians shift. Institutions grow and decrease. Only Jesus, only God remains the same. And because of this, we ought to honor him. I think of for a moment, those of you who love baseball, and I'm not just talking about playoff baseball. I'm talking about like 162 game long season baseball, okay? Some of you love that, and God bless you. That's, that's, we'll be praying for you. But for base, those who love baseball, you know that for someone to be a great hitter, they are a great hitter if they hit 300 over the course of a season. That's a great season. If they can do that, that is, they can hit one ball, one, they can have one good at bat and hit, make a hit every three at bats over the course of a season. That's a great season. If they can do that over the course of a career, that's a great career. That may be a, even a Hall of Fame career. Now, every now and then, a player may have a great day a great week, a great month in which they are on fire. They hit high above 300. There may be a day in which they hit more than just above 300. Maybe they hit every time they get up to a bat. That's a great day. But imagine having a perfect day and stretching that into a perfect week, into a perfect season into a perfect career. Imagine a batter that got up and every time they were at bat, they had a hit. That would be incredible. That might be baseball worth watching. Jesus is perfect. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you honor him as such? If we, if we have a hall of fame for baseball players whose careers are filled with mistakes and errors and failed attempts, what honor do we owe to him who is perfect in all that he does? Who is the same? More than this, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we ought to follow him. You know, this verse, it, even though it seems to stand alone, it doesn't. It is connected to the truths which come before and flow out of it. You can see, verse 7, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you. Those, their, their faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, do not be carried away about with various and strange doctrines. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His truth does not change. Therefore, we ought to follow him all of our days. 
The Apostle Paul put it like this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We ought to remember that Christ's authority over us is the same. His, his word is the same. His commands, his writings, his warnings, his promises, all of these, these have not changed. They do not fluctuate from day to day. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Friend, brother and sister, we can trust him. You can trust this Jesus. Spurgeon writes this. If Jesus be always the same, here is a rock that cannot be moved. Build on it. Here is an anchorage. Cast your anchor of hope into it and hold fast in a time of storm. If Christ were were variable, he were not worthy of your confidence. But since he is evermore unchanged, rest on him without fear. Friends, look and trust to Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we as finite beings cannot even begin to fathom you who are eternal, you who are unchangeably perfect. Change is part of what it means for us to be human. And yet you, O Lord, do not change. You, our Savior, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christ Jesus, help us this year to grow increasingly confident in you. To anchor our lives increasingly upon you. That our choices will be made based on your unchangeable word. That our hopes and our dreams will be guided on and by your good promises, your good will. Father, I pray that you would help us as we seek to imitate your unchangeably good character. Grant us this confidence, we pray, that we may not only see and savor you afresh, but that we may find ourselves anchored deeply in the one who cannot change and therefore cannot fail us. O Lord, be pleased to do this and much more according to the riches of your grace. We pray all this in your name, our Savior Jesus. Amen.